This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. It's great to have you here on The Clark Howard Show. You know, our mission is to serve you with information, with knowledge that empowers you to make better financial decisions in your life. And one way we serve you is through our websites, clark.com and clarkdeals.com. Now, I got a question for you. Who wakes up in the morning and says, I want a pay cut from where I work? Turns out 25% of American couples are giving themselves a pay cut at work. Not a good idea. Later, I want to tell you some good news on something that's been a bleak picture over the years, and that is deaths behind the wheel of young, inexperienced drivers. I want to tell you what is leading to good news in that, and there's something in that for the rest of us, too, we're going to talk about. So did you wake up in the morning and say, you know what, I'd like to make less money at work. You didn't do that, did you? I mean, the only thing I've seen is that people who work in offices tell pollsters overwhelmingly that they would be willing to take a pay cut from their employer to have more flexibility in their work schedule and being able to work remotely. I mean, it's weird how that's become such a huge lifestyle change in people. But this isn't about that. This is about something we do just breathing, working at a place where we're taking a voluntary pay cut. USA Today reports that one in four couples are failing to put enough money into an employer-provided retirement plan to pick up free money, employer match money, in their 401k. Now, this is hurtful a few different ways. First, you're not putting money aside for retirement. Second, your employer offers these incentives to try to get you to save with what's essentially a pay raise by matching money you contribute to a 401k, maybe you know matching equally up to 6% or matching equally to 4 or doing 50 cents up to 6%. So for every dollar you put in, they put in 50 cents or a dollar on up to that amount. And I know that there are financial pressures in life always, but we're also going to get older. And so when you're offered the opportunity of a retirement plan where you work and they're offering you bonus money, essentially, for contributing, you got to pick up every dollar. Now, one of the things that was crazy in these stats is that often... And a couple where both are working, one may be contributing to their 401k beyond the employer match, and the second in the couple not contributing at all. They're putting in more than the match for one, none for the other, going past the match where if instead they rebalance that, 
and each were putting in at least to the match, both are picking up the free money. Now, the consequences of one contributing a lot and the other little or none is something that is an uncomfortable topic to talk about, but somewhere depending on how you believe the stats, let's call it a 50-50 shot, that about half of marriages are going to end in divorce. So in that case, the spouse who's not contributing ends up following a divorce with much less money for their long-term future than the spouse who's contributing to the retirement plan at work. Balance is really important here for all these reasons that both people in a couple are contributing. And if someone is a stay-at-home in a couple and you're married, then the stay-at-home is eligible for a spousal IRA. So even though you won't have access to a workplace plan, you can contribute to a Roth IRA as a non-working spouse. And this is a tool almost nobody uses, but is one you should absolutely avail yourself of. Krista? Twan in Ohio says, Clark, my wife has just returned from a five-day vacation with our daughter. They flew on Spirit Airlines. On the flight back, the airline lost her luggage. They advised her to file a claim in their system, which she did. It has been three weeks since her return, and we have not gotten the luggage back. Every time she calls to check on the status of her bag, she gets an automated message that they're still working on it. We recently filed a complaint with the Department of Transportation and the BBB. We have been patiently waiting, hoping they will send the bag to our front door. We don't know what else to do. There's jewelry and items in the bag worth thousands of dollars. (sighs) Jewelry? Okay, I don't know which order to handle this. Let me first say, on a typical flight, on average, based on the stats, usually a couple of people, every flight, an airline's going to lose their bags. And that's why the technology available for iPhone users with the AirTags, Android users with the marketplace equivalent to those available from different vendors, absolutely something you need to put in your luggage. Because the airline's baggage tracking systems are okay, but repeatedly, I I shared a story months ago about the woman from Denver who flew, who United lost athletic equipment of her daughter that was very expensive. The woman could not get United to do anything. Even when she told him, the AirTag said where it was and United wouldn't do anything. She flew to Chicago at her expense got the very expensive stuff, flew back. It became a national story. United half apologized and reimbursed her her expenses. I mean, the airlines do most things okay, but when something goes wrong, they're pitiful. So having an AirTag or the Android equivalent, Tile, I think is the most common Mm -hmm. equivalent, is really a great idea to do. Now, What will eventually happen if the bag never shows up is you're able to make a claim up to the federal max, but it does not include anything that is a temptation for an airline employee or contractor to steal. So it doesn't include electronics, doesn't include uh, any kind of money, does not include jewelry, anything that other than basically clothing, the airline's contract of carriage, the contract with you, does not cover. 
So we got to hope that this bag is recovered because the jewelry will not be in any case. The jewelry may be covered, though, if the bag's never recovered. The credit card you use to purchase a Spirit Airlines ticket may have some coverage for lost baggage items or lost baggage. So that would happen after 30 days. After 30 days is when the airline will pay a claim based on reasonable value of the possessions in your baggage other than. This is terrible what's happened in this case. For everyone else, know this, medicines, jewelry, electronics, always if you're traveling internationally, your passport, all on your person or in a bag that you can carry on the aircraft. Laptop, did I say laptop? Electronics, Uh, yeah. Electronics. You don't check any of those items. And please let me know how this plays out. The airlines, though, are protected by very favorable to them federal rules on when they compensate and how they compensate. Alan in Washington says, in September, my wife and I took the vacation of our life. We traveled with, he says, the company and visited two ports in Portugal, five ports in Spain, and two in France. It was a small ship with about 180 passengers, so we could visit the small ports. We traveled at night and had wonderful tours during the day with less than 20 people on each tour. We called our phone company, our cell phone company, ahead of time and signed up for their international calling plan for one month. We had only made calls from our phone while in port in the countries that we had named. Much to our surprise, when we received our bill, it was over $400. I called what you call customer no service and actually got a hold of a fine fellow that helped me understand. Guess what? International calling plans don't cover calls made from a cruise ship, even if it's in port. I did agree with the rep when he said this doesn't make any sense. And oh, by the way, the only thing really lacking from the cruise was limited, very poor internet, making Wi-Fi calling impossible. Do you have any thoughts regarding this? So first of all, Having gone on a couple of dozen cruises in port on the ship, when I turn my cell phone on to calling from airplane mode, you always want your phone on airplane mode while you're on a ship. When you do turn it on, you need to be on the deck facing land, hitting a tower, and having it say, welcome to whatever country you were in, Portugal, France, and Spain. So you pull into a port and it says, welcome to... Portugal, your calling plan does so-and-so and so-and-so. You'll have bars, and you make a call that is not intercepted by the ship-to-shore system on the ship. And so this is something I can't even tell you how many times we've heard from people who've gotten big charges on a ship for ship-to-shore and not realizing how crazy it is. It can be $5 a minute for a call from a ship and you've got to keep looking at that phone and make sure that you are in fact registered to that country and on cell towers and not something on the ship. The cell phone carrier gets a cut of all this and they could have given you a courtesy credit for at least a portion of it if they did not give you a portion of the $400 Call back and see if you can get a partial credit for that. Doug in New York says, we plan to winter in Hawaii from January to April. Renting a car would be very expensive. I love this. I know, right? I'm so jealous of, of wow. these. Wow, wow. I'm jealous of everyone except for poor Tuan, who's 
wife's luggage is lost. Anyway, Doug says renting a car would be very expensive. I've looked for leases to no avail. How can we do this in the most cost effective way? Doug, when you go for four months like this, it's going to be crazy. Call me crazy. You might consider buying a much older used car. What? You've never heard of this? No, I thought you were going to say Seasonal Turo. Seasonal people will do this. Well, I was going to mention Turo second. Okay. okay. So you had to mention it. Now. I'm sorry. I, that's okay. I'm sorry. Okay. I stole the show from you. I'm sorry. <laughs> that's okay. But if you buy a very old used car and then you sell it four months later, what you pay on an older car to buy it and sell it may end up being net much cheaper than any kind of alternative rental you might do. Now, you could also do what Krista said. You could check Turo, where a private individual is renting you their own vehicle. And that's very, very popular, especially in Hawaii. Six rental car, S-I-X-T, does monthly rentals at very reasonable rates that are like subscriptions in various airports around the country. And to my knowledge, they don't do so in any of the Hawaiian islands but I would check that as well. Sixth is becoming an alternative vehicle cycle, wouldn't call it ownership provider, but a way for people who need a vehicle who live seasonally somewhere for a period of time to be able to have a vehicle at a much cheaper price than you could get a car renting a traditional way. The idea of what they're doing is something that's popping up in more and more big cities around the country also where you can enter into a car subscription instead of a car lease, car rental, or car ownership. And this is the kind of situation that works very well in, just not aware that that's available on any of the Hawaiian islands. Speaking of vehicles driving the rest, one of the greatest tragedies I can think of is a parent getting a knock at the door and there's a police officer or a state trooper at the door. I just can't imagine as a parent. The good news, those knocks at the door are way down. I want to tell you why. There are important lessons in this for all of us on the road. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Hey, listeners, whether you love true crime or comedies, celebrity interviews, news, or even motivational speakers, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue, right? And guess what? Now you can call the shots on your auto insurance, too. Enter the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. The Name Your Price tool puts you in charge of your auto insurance by working just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance— then they'll show you a variety of coverages that fit within your budget, giving you options. Now, that's something you'll want to press play on. It's easy to start a quote, and you'll be able to choose the best option for you, fast. It's just one of the many ways you can save with Progressive Insurance. 
Quote today at Progressive.com to try the Name Your Price tool for yourself and join over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Learning to drive a car is difficult. Historically, the stats have shown crazy high fatality rates for new young drivers, teen drivers. The tragic loss had gotten so great that over a number of years, most states have passed restricted licenses on teen drivers. These restricted licenses have changed the equation. According to a National Association of State Government Officials called the Governor's Highway Safety Association, the death rate in teens has dropped 45%, almost in half. Still way too many precious lives lost with all this promise in front of them. But a 45% reduction is something we should celebrate. And the main reason is state adoption of these graduated licenses. These graduated licenses treat driving as a privilege to be earned. And teens are under, although the law is very from state to state, the general tone is zero tolerance for a teen having any alcohol in their system, zero tolerance for a speeding ticket for a teen, no other teens that they're not related to so they can drive a family member, but no other teens allowed in the car with the teen driver. All these things have led to this cut almost in half of teen fatalities. And this is really good news, but we're not there. So the safety people's recommendations to get this down even further is parental involvement. You can be as nosy as you want to as a parent. More and more vehicles sold are always on where you as a parent can actually have a leash on your kid and you know where they're driving, how fast they're driving, I mean, you have so much data, and I, in the past, have talked about various insurance programs where insurance companies offer devices that will track your teen's driving for the purpose of, for the insurer, they just want to lower claims, and for you, you want your kids safe. So using technology today is important, and you don't even have to look at it. If your kid knows, you can see and you talk to your kid about it, you may have a safer driver. And it's not a conversation. It's an ongoing conversation about safety because kids think they're invincible. That's why this is important. Now, for us as adults, our fatality rates on the roads have been going up. Cars have a lot more horsepower than they used to. We're driving a lot of bigger vehicles than we used to heavier weight, and the impact of accidents is worse, even though roads are much more safely designed than they used to be, and our cars have so many safety features in them, the fatality rates are going up because with the higher horsepower and the higher weight, you know, the speeds that people are driving higher, and the ability to stop is longer, and then the impact is greater And so I have really consciously changed how I drive. 
I drive an electric vehicle, and if you've ever driven one, the acceleration in an electric vehicle is mind-blowing. And so I have purposely, consciously changed how I drive, and I'm leaving, for one thing, I'm leaving more space between me and the vehicle in front of me, and I'm trying to stay as situationally aware of the vehicles around me so that if I see a crazy person driving, I leave space. When I pass a tractor-trailer truck on the interstate, I don't pull next to one until I know I can easily pass it, that traffic in front of me is not going to keep me a prisoner next to the tractor-trailer truck. Tractor-trailer truck driver may be doing a great job driving, but if something crazy happens in front of them and you're next to that tractor-trailer truck, there's no second chance. So I never pass a tractor-trailer truck till I'm sure it is clear for me to get around that tractor-trailer truck quickly and have space between me and the tractor-trailer truck. So we've done things to make our kids safer on the road, not safe, but safer. It's up to you and me as adults to be safer on the road than how we're driving today. And by the way, there's this thing you have in your car. It's called a turn signal. Yeah. And it's something that goes down and goes <laughs> up. Down means it puts the left signal on. Up means puts the right signal on. They actually have them in all cars. You can just use it. Drives me crazy. All right. Tracy in North Carolina says, I'm on the budget billing plan for my electricity. For the past five years, I've gotten a significant refund during my settlement month. Then my monthly budget amount only decreases by a few dollars. Should I abandon budget billing and just pay for my actual monthly usage? If you can afford to, Tracy, absolutely. I despise budget billing because it actually is designed so that people will increase their consumption of electricity. The, if people see, let's say in the summer, you get a June bill that is like, how could it be that high? It leads to behavior modification. We maybe keep it a little warmer in the house in July and August and September. When you do budget billing, it masks the true amount of electricity you're using, which causes people to use more of it. And so budget billing is a huge benefit to the power company and really bad for you. Plus, the power companies overestimate what the budget billing is supposed to be, and you're making an interest-free loan to the power company when you do it. Here's the exception. If somebody lives on a really tight budget and you can't afford to pay those summer spikes in electricity, then doing budget billing is, in that case, a good idea. Otherwise, don't do it. This is from Sandra in California. Thank you for being a guiding light. Do you recommend I arrange a car purchase through the Costco auto program? Please elaborate on the pros and cons. The Costco car buying program is just about the best car buying program in the United States because Costco has this very large membership base, I think of 60 million Americans, and they're significantly more affluent on average than the average American. New cars are bought 
by people at the wealthier end of the income scale overwhelmingly. So the car dealers need the Costco customers. Costco only appoints one dealer of each brand in each metro area. So that dealer has to live by Costco's code of ethics for those dealers. They are not allowed to play games or they get booted to the curb and they're replaced. So the Costco program is really clean. The manufacturers also know, especially for higher-end vehicles, that Costco is a big conduit of buyers. So the manufacturers will offer special deals to Costco buyers that are not available elsewhere. So the Costco program is transparent, it's clean, and it works. And if you ever go to buy a car through the Costco car buying program and they don't treat you right at that dealership, you report them immediately. You rat them out to Costco's auto buying program and they get enough complaints about a dealer. I'm telling you, that dealer, doesn't matter how much volume they're moving, they're out of the program. So it is a true consumer-oriented program. Now, what are the cons of buying through the Costco program? The Costco program is designed for you to buy local. And often, if you're a really good shopper and you'll shop a wide geographical area, let's say up to 500 miles from where you live, 1,000, 2,000, anywhere in the country, you'll get a lower price if you shop geographically wide for a car. The Costco program makes it easy and gets you a good price on a vehicle, not necessarily the absolute lowest you could get. Arrange your financing in advance at a credit union. If you get a better deal on a loan at the dealer, take it. Otherwise, use your credit union loan. Shirley in California says, I'm a decades-long listener. I wish you wouldn't call me Shirley. (laughs) I'm a decades-long listener and an avid fangirl. Like you, I play the credit card rewards game using multiple cashback cards. I have the quarterly rotating cards that pay 5% and also the Fidelity and City Double Cash that both pay 2% for everything. Now I've read about the Alliant credit card that pays 2.5% on everything. Is it time to apply for this new card and put away the Fidelity and City Double Cash rewards? Am I getting too crazy? Thanks for everything. So, Shirley, the Alliant program has changed. Before you had to join Alliant Credit Union, you had to pay a very large annual fee for the card. And now it's changed that instead you have to have an active checking account with Alliant, no annual fee on the card, and you do get the 2.5% cash back. So the real question is, are you willing to move your checking account business to this credit union or not? If that sounds like more hassle than you want to deal with, You're already doing really well with the rotating category card and the Fidelity and the City Double Cash. If you think it's worth doing, we have an updated review of the Alliant credit card on Clark.com. If you just go Clark.com slash Alliant, you'll be able to see that review. And now it is time for today's Clarky. Hi, Clark. This is Claudia. I live here in Woodstock, Georgia. And I just wanted to say thank you for everything you've done for me and my family. I've been listening to you since the early 90s when I was a preteen driving around with my parents. 
and I would make fun of them for uh, listening to talk radio instead of music, like I wanted to listen to, of course. But secretly, I was taking in all of your information, and as soon as I graduated college, I bought your book and have been following your advice ever since and listening to you ever since. And now I even have my own teens in the car with me, listening to you all the time, and they're learning and they're saving. And by the time I was 35, uh, I was completely debt-free, paid off our house. By the time my husband and I were 40, we were millionaires, thanks to you, and just living the life, um, thanks to your advice. So thank you so much for what you've done for me and my family. Bye. Thank you. And propaganda works <laughs> from, a, from a preteen learning. And I appreciate you so much sharing that you were able to take information you learned and put it to work. And there are many people who talk about personal finance in ways very similar to us. I don't care where it is you get that information. If it gives you the tools to create those habits where you save and live on less than what you make, gosh, I promise it pays off over time. And in, you're in your husband's case, by age 40, being millionaires, being completely debt-free is so wonderful because it means the rest of the way, and you got kids. It's not like you didn't have the expenses of kids. Now the rest of the way, it's just the house is money. You're just putting money away month after month, creating more financial security, more financial independence. And I thank you so much for that feedback. Remember, your kids may act like they're not listening when you talk to them about things in life, including money, and they may act like they're tuning you out. They're absorbing more than you realize, and they learn, and the benefit you can be giving them is so great. One thing I want to say, in your case, you have great financial habits, obviously, in your household. A lot of times, well, parents have not had the best financial habits. I think there's power in sharing with your kids where you have not done well with money as an individual parent or as a couple and telling them, here's the mistakes I made. These are the problems I'm having because of those mistakes. I hope that you'll follow a different path. There's great teaching either way. The negative example to give that is don't do this, do that, or the positive example that the kids learn. So thank you so much. I'm learning a lot from our Clarkies. Oh, good. I'm They're glad good. we're doing this. If you want to post to Clarky, Yep. You just call us at 404-981-2071. Thank you. And remember what we're about. Save more, spend less, and avoid getting ripped off. And have a great day. 